0: Welcome to Arkansas Talent Conversations. I'm your host, Kevin Yers. Every week on Arkansas Talent Conversations, we spotlight and present members of the Arkansas Talent Database. Our conversations include artists, actors, independent filmmakers, along with other arts and entertainment professionals here in the state of Arkansas. From Logat Media, outside Clinton, Arkansas, this is Arkansas Talent Conversations. Our guest today is David Bogard, writer, director, and producer. Welcome to the show today, David. Thank you, Kevin. uh, Looking at your career, it seems like you've kind of come full circle. You were relating earlier to us when we were talking that you were introduced to Hollywood at a relatively young age.
1: Well, yeah, I was in uh, college going to USC, and I was fortunate enough to have an uncle who was a very well-known actor in the sense you'd know his face, but you wouldn't know his name. And he was uh, quite active in Hollywood. And while I was going to USC, he used to take me with him to the film shoots or the uh, TV studios where I got to watch him work, and I fell in love with the film business, basically, and at that time. Through three months of being in Southern Cal and going with my uncle every night, or virtually every night, to around Hollywood.
0: And you were just spending the summer there
1: doing some extra studies at USC? Yeah, USA? I had to go to summer school. I was going to SMU in Dallas and I had to go to summer school. And so my sister was going to Southern Cal, getting her degree, and she kept saying, David, this is the most wonderful place, the beautiful beaches, the nightlife, all that. I said, well, you know, if I got to go to summer school, why not Southern Cal? And my, I was fortunate My dad said, fine, as long as you make good grades, you can go. And back then it was only $15 an hour tuition Southern Cal, which was quite cheap, at least as now to today's standards. So I went out there and spent a summer and just, uh, you know, was fortunate to have an uncle who lived there and was active in the film business, very active in the film business.
0: And your uncle was John Stedman? John the Stedman. Actor.
1: If you, you, you can't place his name, but if you, if you ever once saw his face, you would know him. In the longest yard of Burt Reynolds, the last scene is Burt Reynolds walking out of the stadium with his arm around uncle, uncle Johnny's shoulder. Uncle Johnny played his older confidant in that film, the water boy of the team. and Okay, right. Yeah, Burt Reynolds looks like when he's throwing the game and Uncle Johnny's there over the bench, he says, Pop was hitting the warden, worth it. And, <laughs> and Uncle Johnny says, for me it was. And then Burt Reynolds goes back into the field and wins the game, you know. But uh, he was in all the uh, old commercials for Pace picante sauce. You know, he was always the guy they say, you know, get a rope. He was the, you know, hang him because he's served something besides Pace picante sauce. That kind of thing. Anyway, Uncle Johnny used to take me around. I got to quite enthralled with the film business
0: he 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 kind of talked you out of it i guess for a number of years yeah. and, and yeah. you know you as i said you made a full circle uh for a filmmaker but at one point in your career you're a lawyer uh circuit judge and now you're a filmmaker
1: yeah yeah that's a, a quite a, <laughs> a move because normally you think of lawyers as being uh you know actors but never into actually making films themselves and and uh, I, I had always been interested in, it. like I said, when I retired from being a judge, um, I bought a camera and, and started, uh, figuring out how the thing worked, you know, and of course it's a, it's a difficult process learning how to film, edit, write, uh, do the sound, the lighting, all that's an extremely difficult process. Especially when you consider the fact that each of those is a art in itself. You know, it takes your lifetime to learn good lighting. Right. Good sound and this kind of thing. And I said, here, I'm going to learn it all, <laughs> you know, in one month. Well, you know, my early films were not too good.
0: But you're still, uh, you worked your way through it. Oh, yeah. All, all through all that. Being a true Arkansas native also, it probably has given you a lot of insights for your own personal writing. And also when you go out and you're, and you're looking for locations to shoot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I learned, I'm a musician also. I played play professionally at one time on the East Coast, but. Played with Cass Elliott, in fact, Mama Cass. But he um I learned long ago to to recognize my limitations and work within those, you know. Like when I played the Five string Banjo on the East Coast, I rarely played songs you'd heard before. And it, that's the one I played it, everybody said, That's great, because there's had nothing to compare me to. <laughs> well well <laughs> as opposed to some girl sitting around singing John singing Joan Baez song, everybody said, Well, that's good, but Joan Baez does it a lot better, you know. Well anyway, um, I learned that if I'm going to write something and film something, you know, do something you know. That, uh, you know, I'm not going to make a film about Indians. What would I know about Indians, American Indians, you know? But I do know country life and I do know the Ozarks and I do know, uh, the legal business and things like that. And so I try to write or have known a lot of people in my lifetime. And I try to write when I do about things I know something about. If I'm going to write a, a, something about music, well, I know quite a bit about music and various aspects of music. If I'm going to write about A murder. Well, let's have it occur somewhere where I know the place. I know the kind of people that do these kind of things, and I've been fortunate to live a very uh, a life of great variety, living all over the country and spent a good time in Europe. And I think I have enough experiences to call upon to be able to write a variety of on a variety of subjects, and still know about some, still still know something about what I'm writing about.
0: Right, my experiences. We're here with David Bogart on Arkansas Talent Conversations. Do you have any type of favorite genre that you like to work in, David? Uh, you, you discussing horror aspects and dark aspects. Is that, yeah, kind that, of your forte?
1: That, is, that really is, Kevin. I'm not sure why. Like, <clears throat> excuse me, Irene was started out as being a happy ending and somehow it ended up being a, a, a difficult ending.
0: Um, Now, Irene, this is your latest feature. Yeah, I'm
1: sorry. Yeah, that's my latest venture, which we were submitting to film festivals. Now, we wrapped it up about a month ago as far as the final sound editing and the coloring and all that. And someone says, well, you must have had a a very dark childhood because everything you write stems to end in murders and death. And I said, no, I had a very happy childhood. I've had a very wonderful life, thank God. You know, I've been very fortunate and privileged, but I tend to, to, when I write, I tend to start thinking about dark subjects or difficult subjects or subjects that are. I love writing comedy. Let me preface it by that. I really enjoy comedy, and I have, I think I have some great comedic ideas. My wife will not sort think so. She laughs a lot, of it. but, <laughs> but it's kind of a Monty Python humor I have at times. But but I always end up writing dark subjects. You know, Irene's a dark subject. Uh, it's my my. I wrote a screenplay and sold it at one time and that was a very dark subject and I don't know why I gravitate towards I guess because the more serious I think the more serious films hold my attention more gotcha, I, I love right. the film noir on you know, Netflix I, I rarely get a current film I go back and get all the old films of the 30s and 40s and watch them because I love film noir and you know, to me it's fascinating how they like these things and the subjects they, uh, that they that they would use and maybe that's why I, I saw those films growing up maybe that's why I gravitate towards that as an adult I don't know but I, I do prefer you know, horror movies, dark films, films very serious films.
0: Have, does your writing? Are you mainly s- staying with script writing, or do you also do a lot of short story writing? Or I do a you, lot of
1: short stories. A lot of short stories. In fact, I only had written one full length script, and that was the one I sold. Okay, right. And, and, uh, my brother in law said, "Well, you should retire. You know, you, <laughs> you wrote one and you sold it, one. you're 100 successful. You know, right? It was 100. But uh, I, I write short stories." Uh, my thoughts tend to turn towards short stories when I think of an idea, and and as I was saying earlier, I carry my iPhone, and I'll suddenly stop and everything is like this is a great idea, you know, and put it down on that, and I have a collection, of maybe twenty-four on there, all all of which personally I think are wonderful ideas and make wonderful stories, and but the problem is, you know, you get so many ideas, you kind of get distracted from the main one that you 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 just want to
0: focus in on throw
1: throw everything you know stop what you're doing throw everything into that you know and i guess that's my problem i i I have too many uh, stories out there without settling on one at this point in time
0: david bogart is our guest today on arkansas talent conversations well your latest film here the short irene it's a 30-minute film now. 30, 37 minutes. 37 minute film. That was shot all exclusively here in Arkansas.
1: Yeah. Jacksonville and, uh, Little Rock.
0: That, uh, did Irene start from a short story idea in your head? How did that come about? No, it actually came about, it's, it's based on a true story. It came about
1: through some stories a young lady I knew in Dallas many years ago told me. Um, she was active in, in, what, first of all, she was a, Her daytime occupation was at Neiman Marcus in the cosmetic department, and at night she uh, was a phone sex girl, telephone sex girl. And I don't want to use her. We'll call her Irene. There you go, Irene. (laughs) I don't want to to use her real name. You you never know where where Irene is. And uh, but she'd tell me these fascinating stories about the the phone sex business and taking it out of the of the crude sexual aspect of just hilarious stories and very serious stories of, of the people she would meet on the phone, you know. And anyway, I used, we'd just sit there and share a pizza at night. She'd tell me these stories. And we'd die laughing about these characters that call. And sometimes the she turned one fellow in as a serial killer to the police, you know, kept calling her. Anyway, years later, flash forward, and I'm thinking about all these stories we're talking about. And I, and I got to thinking about Irene. And I thought, you know, that would make a, a great story if you took this, it, it changed the girl a little bit more. did doesn't work in Neiman Marcus, but a little more sad character. But at night, experienced the same thing that Irene did. And I say that because it's a very unusual way she did phone sex. I don't mean a sexual way, erotic way, but the way she went about doing it at night. And, and when you see the film Irene, you'll understand what I'm talking about because there's a ritual she would go through each night that... According to her, nobody else did. They were all overweight, heavy <laughs> set women who just smoked a cigarette and did it. Well, Irene did it an entirely different way, the way she would do phone sex. It was a very unusual thing she would do. And anyway, but I, uh, I was thinking about that. I said, that would make a great story, but how is it going to end? Well, I thought about happy endings, and I thought, no, that, as I wrote the script, and it fell into place, it uh, it, 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 said, no, it can't end in a happy manner. You know, It just doesn't fit the story to me. Now, if you ever made a full-length film of it, and everybody, Kevin, everybody writes a short script, thinks, oh, someday, a, a, a Napoleon Dynamite type thing, you know. <clears throat> Somebody's going to see this, this 20-minute film, and say, this will make a great movie. Here's a $5 million. Go make a full-length film. Right. Well, that doesn't happen, of course, except the exceptions. But uh, anyway, you think, well, if anybody ever did, then maybe it would have a happy ending, because then you've got an hour and a half to string this out, and you can develop some areas that we didn't have time to do in 37-minute film and it really could be stretched into an hour and a half and perhaps end differently than it does now. Yeah.
0: Well, I've noticed on one of your notes you gave me that you did uh you were able to pull 37 minutes out of a uh, 60 hours of shooting. That's yeah. a pretty short amount of time of shooting from what I've read it correctly was. It was a couple of evenings or a couple well, we of did. days and a few evening shots. That's 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 really some run and gun shooting.
1: It was and our our cinematographer Gabe Mahan who's I think one of the best southwest um Gabe did pointed that out to me. <clears throat> excuse me, I hadn't even really thought about it. I know we moved very quickly. But he said after this whole thing's over, he says, you know, we only shot about sixty hours of film and we got thirty seven minutes out. He said, We were really moving, you know. And he said, and it turned out so well. But well, I think probably that's because I already had framed up in my mind what I wanted. And Gabe and I had a lot of meetings before we shot. And we, we were dead on with each other as to what the scene should look like. So
0: you spent right? a lot of time in pre-production also before yeah, well, you went well, out there and jumped Mainly was just
1: Gabe and I was sitting around. Okay. And I'd say, Gabe, I see this is a very dark area right, you know, this, this shot. Because that's exactly what I'm thinking, you know. And then we got these big pieces of paper. We started mapping out the shots on the, my den floor, you know. Storyboarding it out. Well, not storyboarding, but, but drawing lines, you know, say, here's the outline of the room, where we're going go to the apartment. We need her to go here, and we need a dolly shot here. And say, yeah, and, you know, they're just kind of feeding you off each other. Yeah, and then we do that. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. So we had that all marked out in these big sheets before we even went onto the set, you know. And so we knew we had to put a dolly down this hallway to track this guy going down the hallway, you know. We knew we had to do this. And he had a great crew working with him, his, his grips and this kind of thing. And these guys had worked with him before, and I just got out of the way. They knew you know, they knew to set the light up outside the window and put the blue gels on, this kind of thing, to get the moonlight effect and all that. And uh, so actually, time the actors came on the set, we were ready to go, and we moved fast. And so it, it went very smoothly and very well. Now, I wish we'd had another two or three days, you know. <laughs> it had been wonderful. Right. We, we ran out of daylight on one, one scene, and we, and it's just, no, we could help it, you know. But It was the last day that our actor, Catherine, uh, could be on the set, and she was going out of town. So it's either wait two months to do the next shot.
0: Or get it done. Or
1: get it done. So we, we got it done.
0: David, we're just going to have to take a short break here, and uh, we'll be right back. We're back, and we're speaking with David Bogart on Arkansas Talent Conversations. David, before the break, we were talking about some of the pre-production work and the production work that you've done on your latest release, your Irene, which is a 37-minute short uh, short film. And uh, you're talking about some of the work that you and Gabe Mahan did in, in prepping for prepping for the shots. And looking over the synopsis and the crew list you sent to me, I noticed you had a co-director on this. Was that yeah. was that intentional, or yeah, what, what what was the purpose of having a co-director? You being the writer, director, and producer of this,
1: Leola Ratcliffe was the the co-director. Leola has a five single space line page resume. <clears throat> Excuse me. She's she's worked and produced. In Europe, United States, New York City, acting, produced, directed. Very fine talent lives in Park Hill. I've known I knew Liella because we both worked on the movie uh, War Eagle, Arkansas. It was shot at Eureka Springs. She was up there as a dialect coach and I was there as the you well know, <laughs> I was. I did everything. I cast all the extras as well as trouble
0: I've read that you were you were kind of a head troubleshooter. You also casted twelve hundred extras for yeah. that film.
1: Yeah, we had seven hundred and fifty in one scene at the I got out there and kept them from six o'clock to midnight.
0: Wow!
1: On Saturday night.
0: <laughs> well, that that must have gave you a lot of experience before you went into working on your own yeah. own shot. I, I must have been one. I mean, uh, Brian Dennehy was in it, a uh, number of other Mary actors. Kay plays. Mary, Mary Kay Winningham.
1: plays. yeah. It was a great cast. Yeah, it really was because, of, well, Vince Insilock was the executive producer. Vince is my, gosh, I've known Vince for 40 years, one of my best friends. And Vince asked me, said, would you like to come to Eureka Springs and, and cast all the extras? And I said, sure. Well, his, his deceased wife told me later, uh, bless her heart and rest her soul. She said, uh, David says, you're there. You're the only Arkansas person working on this set besides Vince. Everybody's from New York and Los Angeles it says, you're there to watch his back. You know, because she, she, Sally trusted me. He says, you take care of it. And I said, well, sure. So I had my desk in the same office with Vince. We were his office. My desk was there next to his. Mm-hmm. Well, he, <laughs> every time they come up, Vince said, gosh, we got to. Personnel problem. Dave, will you go take care of that? Yeah, I'll take care of it. Well, we got this actor we got to get rid of. Will you, will you take care of that? I'll take it. I got a call one night, two in the morning. I'd been out drinking Eureka Springs. I got. Like, he said, "Where have you been? Where have you been in the hotel?" I said, "Well, I've been out drinking." Get up here. We got union problems. Union moved in, see, and they had all the workers upstairs organizing, see.
0: Gotcha, oh, man.
1: And we were, <laughs> we'd set up all night. Figuring out how we're going to treat this tomorrow when the daylight came. The point being, I was involved in every aspect of that film. You know, from uni- I sat on the union negotiation with Vince in two days, and you know, we sat there with the union negotiators out of Florida arguing with them all morning. And I, I had the experience of being involved in every aspect of a large production.
0: A uh, true trial by fire.
1: Yeah. You know, like the Pantaflex cameras came in and said, hey, they just got in. Let's go watch them, set them up and test them. You know, got to go do that. I'd be out on the set and there'd be the sound people sitting there, you know, with the, the boom mic and all that and the sound guy. And I'd say, how do you do this thing? What are you doing? He'd say, well, sure, let me show you. You know, how do you record this and get it out? You know, he'd show me how they do that. And I visited with the uh, Pantaflex representatives were there. You know, I had lunch with them. The point being, I learned every aspect of filmmaking while I was there. Now, there were glimpses of it here and there, but I saw the whole overall picture from being the inside with the director's office and being able to do all that. And and I had free reign. I could say, I'm going to work on my job today, and I think I'll go out the set and watch what they're doing. My job's done for today. I'm going out there, you know. And so I was able to, to pretty well... I they have a free run of the whole production see how everything was done. It was a great experience, a great learning experience.
0: Uh, right. That's almost more than you could probably get in going to film school for yeah. a year or so. Yeah. I mean, just working on that one feature in your capacity. It really capacity. was. It
1: really was, yeah.
0: Our guest today is David Bogard on Arkansas Talent Conversations. So bringing that experience from uh, the film you were working on. War Eagle... War Eagle, thank you, my my mind almost <clears throat> drew a blank there. And then now bringing that back to Irene, how did you film, and what type of medium Was that, is this an all-digital yeah. film?
1: Yeah, Gabe Mahan has a Sony EX-1, which is a fine camera. It's got half-inch uh, chips on it. And it turns out, beautiful color, beautiful color. And Gabe, of course, very experienced, and he has all the red rock, you know, um, 35 millimeter adapters and all that kind of thing, and the matte boxes and the, f- the follow focus, and all that. So we really had a professional setup on, to shoot it, which is a good starting point because you can shoot in 35 millimeter. And uh had him, and then had his his crew, and we, as I said earlier, we planned the production well in advance. Plus, I had a great cast, Kevin. I couldn't ask for a better cast for this. So it, the, the part of Irene was played by Catherine Pryor. And I originally started writing the script. I had somebody else in mind. But as it went on, I'd only seen Catherine in two stage productions. She's a lawyer with a Wright firm. They're one of the very prominent lawyers there. Spends a lot of time in New York working for him. But I, I got to thinking about Catherine. As, as, as I wrote the script, I started reforming Irene in my mind. I kept seeing Catherine. I saw her in stage where she paid, played this psychologically ill person. hmm And I kept thinking, Cath- Catherine can do this and do a very good job. She's never been in a film before. She's done a lot of stage productions. And I asked Catherine, like I gave Catherine the script. I said, would you be willing to do it? And she said, yes, fortunately. only problem is working around her schedule. Though. As I mentioned earlier, she has a very tight schedule. Right. And then I needed a mother for Catherine Well, I thought of Judy Trice. Judy had been in some of my films before. And that's Judy's real, that's Catherine's real mother, Judy Trice is.
0: Right, that's almost, that's, that's kind of unusual, but that's, yeah. must be, it must have been a wonderful experience to be it, able to it have was, that play. It and off I, and I learned,
1: I learned oddly enough that this was, although they'd been in productions before, stage productions, this is the first time they'd ever been in one scene together. And so they're, the only time Judy is on screen is when in the scene with Catherine. And then for the part of uh, Catherine's boss, I cast Tom McLeod, who's been in stage productions and some films around Little Rock. Very fine actor. And a guy named Jeremy Day is uh, a very good actor. He's been in local films and a lot of stage work was cast as the potential boyfriend for Irene. And then a friend of mine who's an entertainer here in Little Rock, Apple Taylor, played the customer stalker
0: killer role. Now, is he a comedian, is Apple Caller, is he a comedian also or No, musician, well, or?
1: He, yeah, his, what, his, uh, he plays guitar and entertains in clubs. Right, I you don't a little him background down. on Yeah, him. I went to hear him the other night in and, and a club. He, he has a great sense of humor.
0: Right. I find that interesting that uh, some of these other, uh, some of the actors that we're also interviewing, that there's a lot of comedians and entertainers that really like to play the bad guy.
1: <laughs> well, that's what Apple, you know. Now, now, when you see him, you would not know this. I mean, you have to see the film, know what I'm talking about. But, but he makes a phone call to Catherine. And and Catherine told me that so that was. I said that chilled me because he. he <laughs> and you, when you see the film, you understand what she's saying because the, his voice is. You can hear his voice talking on the film with the telephone, you know. And it's a very. He did a very chilling job. You know, he's he's Apple's a good actor. Very good actor. And he's a wonderful teacher. Mentioned that he's a seventh grade teacher and really a fine teacher. But he's a great actor and musician. You know.
0: So when you got to get when you got got everything in the can, so to speak, how many hour how long a time did it take you to really get down to the final edit of what oh. visually of what you yeah. wanted to have in that number of hours i can imagine oh
1: i can't even estimate the hours you know i, I did all the editing myself on final cut pro and, okay that was and, the other question what, yeah, what did you use final, final cut, cut pro. pro yeah i've got a nice setup my i was fortunate with my wife <laughs> bless her heart she saw an apple one day in an apple store and says i think i'll get that for you you know the big <laughs> mac pro and the 30 inch right remote, you know the, wow. i said oh okay i said i can use the 23 inch monitor she says no i like that big one i said okay i can take the big screen too you know Anyway, um I don't know in number of hours, but I I guess 4 months really. That's right. an unusually long time. But I would uh, you know, I've got other things in my life going on and I was under no great rush. I I guess I, by December I had it done basically the, the rough cut, a, a good rough cut. And um I started contacting people for the post production. I, I fortunately made some good contacts over the years, not intending to use them but in the in the film business i knew a fellow in dallas jim Schaefer, who i'd known from my dallas days and that's what jim does he writes music for films right and i've got several of his cds which is beautiful cds for samples of his work and anyway i wrote jim i said uh, oh i saw him once a couple of years ago in dallas we had dinner and i said if i ever do a film just for friendship's sake would you do the music for it he said well i might i might do it for the credit you know and long comes Irene, and I was in Dallas. They show it to me. Says, "I'll do this. He says, I like this. I'll do. This. I'll do the music for it." And Jim wrote a beautiful score for it. I mean, it's really good. He would, eat, you know, he'd MP send me MP3s, but I said, "This starts at uh, uh, ten minutes, uh, thirty-two seconds, four, 40 frames, you know." And I'd put it on. and say, "Well, we need to extend it another thirty seconds, you know." And he'd immediately he'd come back, you know. After five minutes, okay, I've extended five for five minutes. know, yeah, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so we had instant communication on the writing of it, back and forth. And then he'd send me something, and he'd say, this is freaking good, man. I really did I outdid myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd play and say, yeah, that's freaking good, man. That is good, yeah. And uh, anyway, but um, I had fortune to get him. Then a friend of mine steered me on to a studio in Dallas, that does post-production audio and Foley work, and they did a good job. And then just by pure luck, Jim referred me to a colorist out of Dallas who, unusual arrangement, says, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do it for this dirt dirt cheap amount. He said, it, he said but I'll come to Little Rock and do it because you use a Mac Pro and color and said that's what I work on. He actually came to my house and stayed with me three days. I said, I said, you do it for this price. I will put you up, feed you, and pay your gas. Wow. There you go. And so for three days, uh, Omar sat there in my dark room, you know, made sure we closed down all the blinds and everything. And it brought his own big monitor, his own board, you know, and all that kind of thing. And we sat there on my computer, which was really an advantage. And I sat there and looked over his shoulder while we did all the coloring and just made it beautiful. I mean, Omar really knew the, knows the craft, you know, and Gabe would come over a cinematography and say, oh yeah, that, I mean, this is what we're intended to do and work on. And it was really nice having Omar there and watching your colorist work for three days and see him take what, you know, you always have the shots that you right. do it and take them and make them beautiful, the whole film. You know, he did a great job. So we had really some good professionals working on the post-production.
0: David, we've got about 30 seconds left. Where are we going to be able to see Irene?
1: Well, hopefully the Little Rock Film Festival. Okay. We have submitted it there and um, hopefully we'll get in there and that's June the 2nd through the 6th. And we've submitted it to six other festivals around the country. My wife said, you're just picking out the festivals with the great parties. I said, what well, was anything wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs>
0: The Little Rock Film Festival, hopefully. We'll that's get that's where you're going to try to premiere it, is at the Little Rock yeah, Film Festival. Yeah, that'll be the first
1: one. That'll be the first one if we okay. get
0: in there, yeah. Well, when you make it, uh, let us know, and we'll make an announcement for you all, help make an announcement for it and get get oh, it sure. out there. David, I'm afraid we're out of time. This half hour has just gone by so quick. Yes, it I'd, has. I'd love for you to come back uh, when you start a new project, or we can talk about Irene again after it gets out later on this summer, and you can give us an update on it. Thank you, Kevin. Thank, Thank you, you for much. being here. Thank you for listening to Arkansas Talent Conversations, a production of Logat Media. To find out more about Arkansas Talent Conversations and our guests, please visit the Arkansas Talent Database at www.arkansaltalentdatabase.ning.com or visit Logat Media at www.logat.com. Until next time, Pocoy, Lasca, Roost.